It is the middle of the week. It's Wednesday, which means, right, we're back in the Bible study. Glad you're with us. If you're coming in a bit late, we're going through the New Testament books in the order they were written. Not in the order things occurred, uh, as in uh, if it tells a story. We're not chronological Bible here. We're actually watching the rollout of Christian doctrine. We started with the very Jewish book, James, and then 1 Thessalonians, as Paul is helping the, the, the Jewish believers mainly, but there were Gentile believers there as well. Uh, it was a good mix in Thessalonica, or Thessalonia, however you wanna pronounce it, whichever one you wanna to go to. And now he is approaching and dealing with the wild pre-Celtic people called Galatians. And as he talks to them, he's, he's run into a serious problem, and that is that the Jewish believers around are offended by many of the, the ways the Gauls live and how they conduct themselves. And so they're trying to say, yes, yes, you are Christian, but Jesus also, he was Jewish, which is true, and he requires you to follow the old law, which is not true when it comes to ordinances and sacrifices and, and such things. God's moral law does not change, but the way he requires us to respond to it does change as it moves from a family to a nation to the entire planet of course of necessity it has to change and so god walks you through that and you can see that in the old testament where the law of slavery changes as you go through when you there are so many others we've done that now he's going to wrap it up in chapter five and it's a it's a this, this big argument he's got. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Just a very quick question. Do you feel freedom in the church, the synagogue, the mosque in which you worship? Do you feel that your faith brings you freedom? When you think of Jesus, do you also think of the word freedom? Or do you think of <coughs> obligations, rituals, requirements, structures, and conformity? Sadly, that's what most churches have become. Now, our safe harbor church is really trying not to do that. And so we mix up our worship, different kinds of songs, even some secular songs that have a religious tinge to them we mix up the way we reach out into all the world and the way the world reaches back it's just been a lot of fun and last sunday our um, our communion was led by a whole room full of people in kirksville missouri who worship and who are a part of our church and there are others that are forming elsewhere it's just a lot of fun but if you were to ask any of our safe harbor people do you feel free yeah they do because we are in christ free Paul gets a little upset here. Paul uses terms in Galatians that he won't use for most of his writing career. But he goes, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, I was told when I was a boy that that meant if you tried to um, take any of the Jewish law or tradition on you at all, that you were not saved. Christ is of no value to you. That's not the argument Paul is making. 
He says, you're free. Act free. If you feel like you've been forced to go get circumcised so that you can stay free, that's not free. Let Christ be of value to you. If he's of value to you, you, you don't have closed doors. I can walk into a, a biker group and not have to disapprove. I can walk and talk with anybody from the LGBTQ community, regardless of where I would love the world to be or regardless of what they would like the world to be, I don't have to disapprove. I can look at them not as L or G or B, but as their names. I don't have to fear because I have freedom in Christ. I can serve right beside Muslims and Catholics because I'm free to do good in Christ. It is, it's an amazing thing, freedom, but there's something about freedom. It's infinitely fragile and it rarely stays for long because people want safety and security more than they want freedom and they readily trade their freedom for other things. That is true in governments, but it has always been true in churches. I feel very secure because I did my five acts of worship in the approved place and in the approved way. That doesn't sound like freedom. He goes on and he, he actually unpacks this a little bit. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. In other words, if you're being circumcised because you feel like that's what the law requires, then you've got to take on all the law. And that would require animal sacrifices. It would, the whole thing. You can only wear clothes of one thing. So if you're wearing a cotton uh, top, everything's cotton. If you're wearing wool, everything's wool. If it's leather, you're following the track. <laughs> now, now, you've got to, you've got to uh, eat kosher. You can't work on Saturdays, on and on and on. He's saying, if, if you think you have to obey some of the law, it's not, it's, it's not a cafeteria where you get to choose which things you want and leave behind those that you don't. No, you gotta take it all. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now here, I'm gonna go in disagreement with an awful lot of really smart people. And I really try to always let you know that if I think that the weight of all scholarship is behind me, I try to tell you that too. But there are times where I don't know where the scholarship is. What I do know is what I've read and what I do know are all the sermons I heard as a boy. And that, they were saying, if you are trying to follow any of the old law and not just completely divorced from it, you are no longer saved. You are fallen from grace maybe I don't think that's what Paul's saying I think you got to tie it up to verse 2 and that is all of this wonderful stuff and you fell off the grace wagon you know you're you're still saved but you're down in the muck get up on the wagon get back up here where the grace is you have fallen to a place where I really would any of us want to trade the grace given us for law Sad thing is, by our behavior, we often 
say yes. Paul says, don't fall away from grace. Don't fall away from the fun. Come back in. For we, who the, through the Spirit, let me back it up, okay? Verse five, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Get that? We don't consider ourselves righteous, but we don't have to go get circumcised and do all that other stuff for God to consider us righteous. We eagerly await the righteousness that will be assigned to us because we believe in Christ. We have now put on Christ. Ooh, yeah. Now we're clothed with Christ. Things are different now. And while we're still not very righteous people, and we're not casual about that, by the way, we'd like to be much more righteous and we work on it, but if we're gonna be honest, and we have to be honest, we know we're not terribly righteous people, but we are people of faith that overflow with Jesus and the Spirit is promised, he will account that to us as righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Are you ready for this, churches? I want you to brace yourself, because this is gonna kill an awful lot of what we've taught and done. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. There were years and years ago, I was just a boy, I think they were E.F. Hutton commercials, and I don't even know if E.F. Hutton exists anymore. You know, I think they were bought out by other financial companies, but regardless, it was a set of, um, you know, th trying to get you to, to trust E.F. Hutton for all of your financial needs, uh, your investments. And so there'd be a noisy restaurant and you know, everything's clinking and you're hearing the murmuring and somebody goes, well, what do you think about this? And, and the person would say, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton and E.F. Hutton says, and everything would go silent in the room and you'd see everybody leaning. I think of that, and by the way, there are several iterations of that and they were all very clever. I think of that every time I read Galatians 5 verse 6, because if Paul the apostle were to come into your house right now, put his hands on the table, lean in and look at you and say, the only thing that matters. Are you ready to hear the only thing that matters? I think all of us would be going, yes. You're turning our ear in, getting our hands written, getting the phones up to record it. Faith expressing itself through love. Now, I can be wrong on so, so many things. But this is what I have to get right. My faith in Christ, how am I going to express that? We've just wrapping up a series at our Safe Harbor Church on tending the garden of God that uses the fruits of the Spirit at the end of this chapter. And I would highly recommend that you go back and you uh, listen to those. Everything's, on, everything's free online. That's the way we do things. No paywalls, no special uh, pet, you know, Patreon or Patreon. No, we don't do that. But go back and look at that because that's another way of saying, all right, all right, all right. I need to clothe myself with kindness because I believe in Christ. This is how I'm going to express it. Kindness is what I need to express. Love and faith will give me the power to do that. It's very intentional. 
It doesn't just happen. It's like your spiritual muscles are like all the other muscles. You gotta exercise them and it needs to be intentional. Paul get, goes off a little bit. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. I was raised on the far, far right of our particular religious tribe. And it, it was brutal. And, and that tribe is shrinking very rapidly today. And sadly, far too many of them are saying, well, we're just not being strict and hard enough. That we'll just, we'll just do what we're doing more hard and louder. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is. But I was raised on that far, far side. And whenever I left home, I struggled. And I struggled. And it got to the point where I just, it wasn't that I didn't believe there was a God. I hoped there wasn't one. Because the only God I'd heard of, I didn't like. And because I knew he hated me. I, I knew I had no chance. And the idea of burning forever because I was Patrick and not, didn't know how to be anybody else, that was a struggle. And so one of the, the tasks I set myself to try to clear my head was to read the Gospels over and over again for six months. Now, I read material for my work and for my study, but you know, no novels, no miniseries on the telly. Uh, read the Gospels. By the way, I still watch telly. I just didn't get wrapped up in something. I have a story. I want to do it. Six months later, my view of Jesus had completely changed. And my view of God completely changed, especially when after that I read the book of Hebrews, which if you've not read it, wow. Reading the Gospels a bunch and then reading Hebrews ushers you into a period of peace, love, and joy that was completely missing. And now I know what Jesus's voice sounds like. No, he does not speak audibly to me. And he does not burn in my spirit or lead me in those ways. He might to you. Who am I to question? Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic or condescending. I don't question other people's experiences. He doesn't do that for me. What I mean by I have learned his voice is I've seen how he acts and speaks in those four books. And now whenever a preacher or religious leader or, or a theologian says something, I always, does that sound like Jesus? If it doesn't, I'm gonna risk not following that person and just follow Jesus. And so I can honestly say to him, I wasn't trying to please anybody. I wasn't trying to be wrong. I was just trying to follow you. And the Bible says that, that account that's put into our account is righteousness. Wow. So whenever somebody put pressure on you, use this phrase, verse eight. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. If you don't root it out quickly, uh, there's a problem. And, and Paul brings up the problem. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? It seems that the Judaizing teachers 
were telling the new goal um, converts that even Paul agreed with them that they had to be circumcised. And Paul's saying, no, no. If I'm preaching Jesus, I'm not preaching circumcision. And he goes, and if I was preaching circumcision, why are they still persecuting me? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. In other words, that horrible thing that happened to Jesus doesn't mean anything because we already had circumcision. So if we got to do circumcision, we were doing that before Jesus died on the cross. So what's the point of his dying on the cross? You see, all pretty sharp. As for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Here's where we got to do grown up time. Very often, those who translate scripture have a hard time translating it because it's not Christian-y enough. The view of Christianity that they have is not reflected in some of the phrasing that Jesus uses, Paul, quite often, and, and they, they back up. Now, the NIV goes further than most in actually translating this. Paul is saying, I wish those people that keep after you to be circumcised would circumcise themselves and let the knife slip so all the bets go away. You might say, Paul, that's not very nice. And you know what's really fascinating? We're never asked to be nice in scripture. Kind, good, gentle, patient, all of those things. And you might say, well, Patrick, that's a distinction without a difference. The word nice works well in there. I think so, but there's a, there's a falsity to the word nice. If somebody gives you a present and you look and you go, oh, that's nice. They don't go, nailed it. Nice generally means, okay, I'm gonna put a positive spin on this. Um, and again, English is fluid. Paul is saying, guys, you just need to be gone. And if it takes that to get you going, get you going. By the way, the Galatians would have fallen out laughing when, when they when this was read to them because that's kind of humor uh, that Gauls and Celts would have gone for. <laughs> uh, he, then he goes, oh, look, verse 13, he's not giving it a rest. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Yay. But the necessary other side of the equation has to come in here. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Throw away the books that bind anything else other than this. Ignore the ministers that demand more than this from you. How dare we demand more from you than Jesus Christ who said this same thing and Paul the apostle. Just do this, the entire law. Love your neighbor as yourself. I brought this up to a group of ministers once one of them red in the face were going, well, you're not loving your neighbor if you're not talking to them about the dangers of hell and about uh, how they're sinning with their music. They're you. 
I'm telling you, let's go run, run over. Let's talk to your neighbor. Did that sound like love to them? Or, I mean, yesterday, I had a neighbor come over. We have a water drainage issue that we're both sharing. And he said, listen, I found a guy. I think he can take care of it, but I, it might bump over into your yard a little bit as we're doing this. I didn't want to bother you. Or That was love. By the way, I'm thrilled he's doing it. And I said, hey, well, let's be financial partners in this. It's helping us too. But he would, that's love. Coming over saying, listen, I don't want to alarm you, but I'd like to take care of something. One time when he saw me really struggling mowing the lawn, because the lawn had gotten really big, I'd been away speaking. Here he comes running over with his, his, um, uh, his lawn tractor I used just to push more. That's love. Love is not demanding all these other rules. He keeps, um, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Please remember this, you know, whether it's woke culture on the left or whether it is uh, how pure a Republican you are on the right. I'm sorry for those watching in other nations, but you know how to make the application. Both sides eat their own and churches do the same. I told you I grew up on the far right of that church and they had periodicals and those periodicals started fighting each other, biting each other. Then in lectureships, they bought it. And what happened? They drove out most of their audience over the years and a lot of their preachers and broke many of their preachers. They're not done doing it either. Please remember, if you start criticizing somebody else, you've opened yourself up for criticism. In the military, there is a maxim, a, a truth. If the enemy is in range, so are you. So maybe we should love our enemies and hope love is incoming. This, uh, I so I say, walk by the Spirit. Let's check out my time. Got a little bit of time left. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So he's saying this, the whole law is just love doesn't make this simple or easy because it's hard to love some people. God said, love everybody. And frankly, some people are, are making that harder than it needs to be. We, we have to work hard on this. And also, we, we are not always lovable. And sometimes we get very, very selfish. All sins are rooted in selfishness or self-centeredness. Because it, this, the desires are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do just whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not led by law. So once again, he's saying, you're not just free to go do anything. Be led by the Spirit. But I'm not saying, you're not free just to do anything and here are the things you're not free to do and here are the things you are free to do and this is when you're free to do that. No, I'm not putting you under law. Every day it's your obligation. Open your eyes, open your mind, open your heart, live intentionally. That's your job. Love one another. Because as he said, I love one another. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself 
through love. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And how many times does he have to say this in one chapter? Now we, I'm just going to read these, not going to do much with them because like I said, we spent a couple of months with these on, in our Sunday sermons, Tending the Garden of God. You can find that at our website um, there at www. Why do we still say that? OurSafeHarbor.com or just go directly to YouTube. Our Safe Harbor Church is the channel there, Our Safe Harbor Church. They're all free and listen to them. The acts of the flesh are obvious, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. We're not doing any of that stuff. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Well, hang on. Fits of rage. Mm, Paul's starting to nag now. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. Oh, churches sometimes believe that division is a duty when the fact is division's a sin. Mm. Drunkenness, orgies, and like, oh good, he's off to the other guys now. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is it when we get up in the morning, open our eyes, open your mind, open your heart, become intentional. What are you supposed to be intentional about? How does love look when you're doing love? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things there is no law. He's speaking of God's law there. I'm sure some despot dictator somewhere has a law against this, but not God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Love the metaphor, but it scares me. Um, I'm not sure I'm done with the crucifying of my flesh. And here's where I would just like to, to say something. So we're going to get back to that, all right? Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Then we're going to do chapter 6 next week, Lord willing. But coming back to this, it's a... This idea of intentionality and what this will look like, and the, the salvation of our souls. When somebody asks me, well, when were you saved? My traditional answer has been to tell them when I was baptized at the age of 11 in October. Uh, inside, by the way. Um, I, I've been in the North Sea baptizing in winter. It's unpleasant. So... But I'll tell them that. But I, if, they'll, if they'll indulge me, I would like to talk to them a little bit longer and say salvation is an event and it's a process. I am saved. If, if I die today, I'm going to be with Jesus. I am saved. But I'm becoming more saved. I'm redeeming more and more of the territory that used to belong to the devil and sometimes frankly it's slow going have you ever have you ever really worked hard to lose weight and it, it came off pretty quick at the first then it slowed down and then you hit the plateau and you're there for a long time and when people ask me what do you do when you hit the plateau and I've been plateaued for so long my response is you don't eat less calories and you don't change your exercise you do exactly what you're doing right now. And one person said they've been doing that for eight months. I said, you're not done then. 
after a year, the pound started dropping again. Now, that was just because I know I lost a ton of weight and I kept it off without diet. And I, I do exercise. I, I did four sit-ups this morning, but you can only hit the snooze bar so many times. I, I know how it came off on me. And I use that same uh, illustration to encourage you. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you've been baptized, you're saved. Now let's work on being more saved and be patient with yourself when you hit the plateaus. He's patient with you, you be patient with you. The same with forgiveness. Forgiveness is an event, but it's also a process. I have been hurt in deep, soul-breaking ways. And it took me quite a while to forgive. It took me longer still to really forgive. It takes a while. Give yourself the grace that God gives you. All right, and with that, we'll leave it and we'll hit Galatians chapter six next week. So glad you're with us. Please share these, subscribe, and send me an email at patrick at rsafeharbor.com if you'd like to officially be known as a member here. Uh, you don't have to give. We just want to know if you want to be part of us in your prayers and in your week. And if you can give, that really does help. But we never do that big pressure. We're never going to do an NPR thing. We'll get back to Galatians after these 23 minutes of giving. We don't do that kind of stuff. Hope you have a fantastic week. God loves you. And he told me that I have to love you. So let's do this. <laughs>